Greetings and welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason. We get together here every week and discuss issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming. But not just issues, we also bring in great guests that can teach us something or give us some insights and tell us about their operation within the Business of Agriculture. Today is one of those days. We've got Jay Hill here. He's the founder of a company called Chaffe, which is where we're going to spend some time, but he also is a farmer. Del Valley Ranch, uh, he's got a couple of other farming operations. He started out when he was 16 years old as an onion producer in New Mexico. So I've known a little bit about this guy's company for uh, uh, the last year uh, because of uh, just kind of came on my radar. And I thought, hey, man, he's at this meeting. I think I've bumped into this guy before because, as you know, I speak at conferences all over North America. So I, I do tend to bump into people. I thought, hey, here's a good story to tell about uh, an agricultural entrepreneur, if you will. Jay Hill, welcome to the business of agriculture. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. 16 years old, a kid that is not being uh, a farm resident. You're not living on a farm. You're not from a farm. You're living in New Mexico. And you say, I'm going to get into farming as my extra, uh, my my first entrepreneurial venture. Tell right. me about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of those things is uh, I'd like to say that I'm telling my story as a farmer starting in a sandbox, you know, uh, as a tractor tire sandbox behind my parents' house, and I'm watching agriculture take place. Uh, suburbia Las Cruces, you know, which is still a small town. Yeah, that's uh, the New Mexico State University is right there. there. The Ag School of New Mexico. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm growing up in the sandbox, and I spend all my time outside, and I'm hanging out and enjoying it and, and seeing all of these different crops come in and go out and go in and go out. And I tell my dad, you know, and he, he talks about his experiences about being a tobacco farmer in Tennessee. And he goes, he goes, uh, what's your interest? What's your draw? And I said, I don't know. I like being outside. I like, you know, watching how these guys plant things and grow things. And so at, at, at 15, I go to him and I say, dad, you know what? I, maybe I want to be a farmer. And, uh, and he goes, he goes, I, there's so many different options out there in this wide world and he says why in the hell would you want to be a farmer i mean let's go to school let's get let's get out of school let's go do something else let's go make some money and uh and i tell him you know i really i really want to get into agriculture i think i want to be a farmer and he goes he goes well your first step is let's talk about a business plan you know what are you going to do and, and what are you going to grow and how are you going to grow it and i i sit there for a little while and i come up with vegetables and and i want to do onions and he goes well why are you going to do onions and i'm like well it seems like vegetable farmers buy a new truck every year so they're making money so might as well do something well wait a minute when you're 16 years old did you really know that vegetable farmers bought new trucks every year and must be making money or is this just your perception there you are and by the way your old man from a farming background but he's been a military guy what's he doing at the time when you're a 16 year old 15 year old kid what was his actual job so he was working for a a school as a recruiter for a technical school called universal technical institute so he would have liked for you have at least gone to some kind of he would have liked for you have gone and done some technical schooling well my actually he wanted me to go to a four-year my my oldest brother went to a four-year and it was working for uti was working for universal technical as as a recruiter still is to this day all right so you're a sophomore in high school your old man is thinking this kid needs to go to uh, college did you yeah uh, yeah i guess you could say it. i went to college okay and then how'd that work i didn't graduate all right so you went you went to where uh i went to work okay so you went to college for a little bit and it didn't it didn't happen but you're sitting there saying i gotta come with a business plan to satisfy my old man i'm 16 years old before he, he thinks i'm going to college i'm thinking i want to be a farmer uh i decided on onions and you decide it's because vegetable farmers look like they make money where what was that based on where did you see that yeah the, the the whole idea is 
when you start to get an idea of what you want to be, when you're little, you know, some guys, oh, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a fireman or whatever. Anytime there was a fire truck that would drive by, those guys were always like, oh, that fire truck is a ladder truck and it does this or whatever. Well, I would sit there and I could read you off any number of machinery and say exactly what it was. Um, but then I knew what farm and what farmer did as we would drive into town in my mom's fuchsia-colored van. I see, because Las Cruces, there's agriculture out around the, the city. Absolutely. And so you, you're a small enough town that you actually knew that's Bob Smith and that's, that's, uh, exactly. that's so-and-so going and, by. And, and you could see the different practices, how they kept their ditches, if they were clean, if they were good farmers, bad farmers, you know, all of those so things. So you were 16 and you already had it figured out that these vegetable producers around you, they were killing it. They were making all kinds of money. They yeah, had so much money are, they didn't even have to work, right? That's exactly right. I and so you were 16 you just, thought that. That's me. That's, okay. that's exactly what I was going to do. All right. Then tell me about the foray into onions. So I, uh, my brother gets a job and he's a little bit old. He's six years older than I am, but uh, he also had the similar career in college that I, that I went through. He got a job working for a family just north of us that had a produce company and he was running the night crew loading onion trucks. And that lasted for about three weeks and he quit. And, uh, and so he said, I'm quitting. You should take my job. And uh, by this time, I've talked my father into a business plan. We're growing 10 acres of onions with with the help of this produce company that my brother's working for. My all bro- right. My brother goes, uh, he goes, I'm out of here. He goes, it's all you. Good luck. And okay. so I, I go meet the owners and they're like, yeah, can you run a forklift? And, you know, don't spit your Copenhagen on the floor and you're going to be in good shape. And uh, that was really all it took. Drive a forklift. Yeah, don't spit tobacco on the floor. Have, have a Have a heartbeat. Um, yeah, and and be able to to use a little bit of math and make sure you don't load the wrong color. I'm colorblind, so that's tricky. But don't ro- you know load the wrong onion on the wrong truck. Jay, you and I are both colorblind. That's an interesting statement. I'm a colorblind guy also, and people don't get that. They say things like, you know, it took me until I was 20 years in the speaking racket on stages, and I had one of those microphone packs, and uh, it, nothing was coming through. And then a guy in the front row says, "Hey, dummy, can't you tell the light's red?" I said, "No." I can't tell the light is red. In fact, I thought when you turned the switch on, a light came on. I just thought that meant the microphone was on. Turns out there's an on green and an on but muted red. 20 years of me being on stages in front of thousands of audiences. How did that make you feel? Was that your first time you really realized you were colorblind? Of course not. I okay. knew I was colorblind oh, from the time it. I was a child. <laughs> However, I didn't realize that there was two different colors on the little light on a microphone pack. Uh, but, you know, we... I, I still don't know that either, so and you and thank I, you. And you and I only know it because we've been told that, not because we've ever seen the difference. Hmm. Anyway, you're colorblind, I'm colorblind. Um, and and that's that's the side story. Give so me back so to I'm this. working for an onion. I'm working for an onion packing house and making sure you're not putting purple onions on the green onion truck. exactly that's exactly what i was i was working on the good and, thing uh, is love just a lot of contrast these non-colorblind people don't know it's not the purple and the greens that give us problems it's the greens and the reds and the oranges and the browns because to you and i it's all just a matter of shades right and and, and everybody says well is it like watching a black and white tv i'm like absolutely not <laughs> nope just, just just it's a matter of there's a whole bunch of things that look alike yeah exactly <laughs> so we so so i'm working for this family and they're an, they're an amazing family they do a great job they're they're still in business um and i'm growing my farm little by little so i'm, I'm loading trucks and sweeping floors and uh 
cutting hay for their grandmother. I mean, just you know, whatever I can do. You're to, kind of the catch-all utility man. Yeah, that's me. And so I'm, 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 I'm kind of learning what ag business means while I'm still getting to grow my my crop. But how'd that work on the growing? Because you had no land. You you went to them and said, "I want to grow ten acres with you." No. So my parents had ten acres. Oh. Yeah. I mean, silver spoon here. We got ten acres in a in a 1968 John Deere 420. I mean, if you've it's got gifted. if you've got well, that's more than what I had given to me. But you know what? Yeah, that's probably not enough to set you up for a Warren Buffett type of success. But okay, right? We're you got ten acres. You got ten acres that was just doing nothing. It was in alfalfa. Okay. Yep. And so that you was converted it. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's a beautiful legume. And so uh, you converted it to onions. So we started to switch over to onions, and we had to go get skinny rims made for our old John Deere, and uh, didn't have enough money in my operating budget to uh, hire a hoe crew. So I had a, a, a Walkman that had a Waylon Jennings tape stuck in it, and I duct taped that to my belt, and I listened to that album I don't know how many times, and uh, hoed onions, and then got to go work at the the produce house to watch how they were processed and worked. And I worked for that company for uh, almost 15 years. You were an employee for mm-hmm. 15 years, starting as about a 15 or 16 year old to learn how this works. The whole while, you said, "I'm going to do something on my own." Did your employer know that? They clearly must have. Yeah, absolutely. And they also knew that you were doing your little 10 acres on your own. Yeah, so the next year we went from 10 acres to 17. We hit an onion market, made uh-huh. a little bit of money. Um, and so that was the incentive to kind of entice us to do a little bit so more. So you kept you kept this thing going. In addition to your normal job, you kept your little 10-acre, then 17-acre operation. Then was it still growing along the side when you're like 25 years old? Did you have more than the 17 acres going? Yeah, by 25, I'm sitting there with 850, 900 acres. Okay, how'd that happen? So as, as we're growing, of course, I didn't have the finances to... Go out and you buy, go and buy real estate. Yeah, so I would lease property, and um, the money that was made off of that lease property was either tied up for operating capital for the next year, or you would find that rare little gemstone of ten acres or twelve acres or fifteen acres that you could pick up and buy. And so you so, did that, and so I would just start around Las Cruces. Yep. We st- when you're a 20-year-old kid, how is it that there's not some bigger operator that's outbidding you for? Uh, cash rent. I'm a I'm a 20 year old kid. I'm I'm trying to I'm walking into somebody's house and saying, Hey, Mister, Hey, Sir, I'm I'm here. I'm trying to become a farmer, uh, and I'm actually doing an okay job at it right now. Would you be interested in letting me lease your farm? Uh, I've I've leased it to this family forever. Get out. Okay, go down the road. Hey, Sir, yep. Ma'am, um, I'm interested in this. And and some of you know, there was a little bit of that heartfelt, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll let these guys try it. We'll try to do this. Yeah, the idea that we're going to give a young guy a chance. Yeah, absolutely. And so you were, cool competitive, you were competitive on the market price? Absolutely. And yeah. and you never stuck anybody? Nope. But you were you couldn't have been very deep in the money because there you are, you're a 21-year-old kid. Yeah, but by the time you get into the, you know, you're starting to play the lettuce game a little bit now. We've, we've evolved from just onions. We're playing in, in green chili peppers and we're playing in red chili peppers and, and, and all of these different crops. You start to hit a market every now and then. Yeah, when you say hit a market, explain that to the person that doesn't know anything about this. So let's talk about lettuce. Uh, lettuce, you know, we're growing head lettuce or iceberg lettuce. Yep. And um, it kind of has absolutely zero nutritional value. I'm understanding, right? Just smother it in ranch, and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 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 big thing about head lettuce is New Mexico is such a small player 
on the, the national scene that the only way we would make money is contracts were rarely offered, but we wanted to, what we always called shoot the gap, essentially going to Las Vegas and going to the roulette table. But there's a region in Southern Arizona, Yuma. Yeah, Yuma um, grows like 85% of the country's lettuce between the months of what? The uh, winter months. Yeah, the winter months. So this. in the summer months, uh, Salinas Valley in California takes takes the rest of it. But there's that little bitty gap between Salinas and Yuma. Where there's no where lettuce? Where New Mexico kind of can fill in that, that void. And so you try to play, I'm going to plant... 30 acres here and 20 acres there and try to figure out where that gap's going to be in anticipation that the market's going to have a, a, a rise during that, that gap. Jay, if I'm a farm boy from Indiana, which I am, I know how to sell milk because uh, I grew up doing it. I know how to sell corn or soybeans. It's pretty easy. You just produce them and then take them to an elevator or go out and you know set a contract. I don't know anything about lettuce or chili peppers or onions. Uh, did you just learn this from being the forklift operator at that company and asking? Well, yeah. I mean, just just point blank questions with farmers. You know, I'd walk up to a farmer and just be like... Say, how do you sell your onions? Yeah. I and mean, then they answer you? Yeah, we give it to them. to help out a young person? No, absolutely not. They, they answered you because? They answered me because I actually genuinely cared, and I don't think anybody ever asked them a question like that before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I walk into the sales office, you know, and I wasn't supposed to be in the sales office. And I'd walk in there and be like, what's the onion market doing today? And they're like, well... You know, yellows are trading at ten fifty, and yada yada yada. And they go through the whole list. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I've got fifteen acres left, and six acres of those are yellows. So I'm going back and trying to say, okay, my yield's going to be nine hundred and fifty sacks per acre. You know, I'm going to average out this. So I was always thinking about the money and and what the crop is going to do. And I think those guys really thought, well, he's he's just a kid that's just trying to figure out where you know things are at but i wasn't really paying attention and the whole time i'm sitting there taking mental notes going okay this is exactly where i need to be this time of year this is what i need to be growing this is what i don't need to be growing yeah so you learned a lot and uh i i can appreciate this because i always had an entrepreneurial uh you know side i i just always thought i'm gonna do my own business i'm gonna run my own business my mother always uh, said stuff like oh yeah get a good job get a good job it's all she ever carried on about screaming about getting a good job and i'm like hell i don't want a good job i'm gonna create my own job so i appreciate that so there you are you're in your 20s tell me about the next step the next venture when did that come so I mean, and there's ventures that come in and out, and and some are. But you were buying. You said you were buying a little bit of farm ground, and you were, you're like in your 20s, and you were buying that little rare thing of 10 acres and 12 yeah, acres. Yeah, absolutely. Right there around Las Cruces. And and being able to walk in after a decent market and pay cash for a piece of land, it might be three acres, but that gives you a borrowing base later on that that is. Do you think you bought it because nobody cared about grabbing three acres? It yeah, who's work. gonna who's gonna mess with it? Yeah, who's gonna mess with it? But you you grabbed the three acre stuff. You still have those? Or uh, a lot of it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's kind of my my retention program. That's that's what we're looking back. You know, J Hill Enterprises or Hill Farms. Kind of what we're looking at now is, you know, if if it hits the fan at some point in life, which is going to, of course, it's going to. Uh, we've got some ground to hold on to. I just told a story about that, and you can appreciate that. Uh, there's not it's it's great if you can have a life and business with no setbacks, but I don't know how to do that. No, I, I haven't. I, yeah, I've, I've I've gone all the way from top of the. You know, I was twenty. I don't know. I was twenty seven, twenty eight years old. I was. I was right before I met my wife. You know, and I'm making one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars a year with hardly any debt. Um, 
farming seven eight hundred acres i mean life was life was amazing and then to wake up to hurricane sandy in 2011 and watch this thing completely regress back into a hole where i had to start from scratch again saying okay i knew this was going to happen maybe next time let's not buy the sports car yeah uh how bad you get set back uh to the point where i thought i wasn't going to be out of the hole um, okay to the point where operating budget of about a hundred thousand left on a four million dollar note all right so you made it yeah we get we we, we, <laughs> we we crawled through it thanks to a six pack of shiner bach and a good banker okay you know um but honestly what year, it was, what year again it was 11 okay yeah. so yeah we've all been that's through that tattoo you're, you're seeing on my neck Every, no, i'm yeah. kidding i'm kidding yeah yeah so uh, no everybody that's run their own business has been through the they've been through the ups and the downs all right so um tell me about then uh where dell valley farms is now dell valley hill farms i mean where what are things what's happening okay so we've got there, there, there's multiple coming things. out of the coming out of the bad time yeah how what happened so uh i decide and I can't remember the year right now. Um, it's six, seven years ago now, six years ago, I decided that I was done with produce. Um, not necessarily done growing, but there was a, a bit of tension between me and the owner of the produce company. Um, there had been a, a high market. and The um, produce company meaning your source of sell? Yes. Okay. Uh, there was a high market, and uh, we were set up to harvest a block of onions that were on uh, my farm, and... Uh, I woke up that morning to send my trucks loading all the equipment going to another farm and and it created a riff saying, you know, I'm sitting there saying, well, you're being greedy. I mean, you're going to go get yeah. this guy's onions and you should have been getting mine, which that's, you know, neither here or there. But at the same time, it's, you know, young testosterone and saying, you know, do it this way or you're, you're an idiot for not doing it that way, which I've well, learned. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, you're saying that you wanted your onions to get picked and, and sent uh, and to capture the market and you missed it. Absolutely. Okay, so you got a little pissed off. Yeah, so I got mad and I decided. <laughs> I decided, you know what? Um, this and this is something that I think is important. I decided I'm going to do it on my own. Um, I've been working for this these people for so long that you know what? I'm just going to build my own empire, mm-hmm. and I'll just I'll take all the customers. I'll do I'll, I'll I'll just I know everything about it. I've been doing it for my whole life. It's something like so. I'm going to go do it. Yep. And uh, so I quit, and. Um, I was growing five acres of onion seed for a large seed company and decided that I was going to uh, I was going to start with onion seed and then I'd get back into the fresh market game and then I'm just going to make a run at this thing and I'm going to do this as you know almost out of vengeance that, that I'm going to show the world that I'm a better onion producer and packer. And uh, it took about a year and a half for me to have the realization that my life is never going to be happy. Uh, I will never find a sense of fulfillment if I am trying to continue, continuing to, uh, to, uh, try to chase my tail and try to chase somebody else's dream. Yeah. So, uh, this is how long ago? Eight to 10, seven, no, six, six, five years, years ago. Six All right. So ago. then you're saying, okay, now I'm going to, uh, change up my whole mix. What yeah. was the first thing you did? So I quit and I went, uh, I went to work with my dad full time. Um, and so me and him are partners in Hill Farms. So we're growing pecans and some cabbage. The guy and that didn't want you to be a farmer that wants you to go to college is now, now your business partner. Yep. Does he own part of the property with you? Absolutely. And did then? Yes. So he's he he bought in. I just kept stretching him the whole entire time. You know, he's like, no, 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 we're not gonna. And I'm, eh, come on, Dad, let's just do a little bit more. Come on, well, he, he, you got him bought in, and you kind of you kind of leveraged your old man. 
Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so I, I, we, we begin to grow and expand. Um, an old chicken house, an old chicken facility comes up for sale and a, a real estate uh, guy locally calls us and says, Hey, uh, there's a, there's this big property down on the, uh, south end of the valley. It's a good investment piece. We can, we can turn it around, put it in some houses and sell the property. You guys just have to farm it for a little while. What do you want to do? And so we go in and uh, we go partners with a Canadian uh, real estate guy and a uh, couple farmers, me and my dad. What did you end up buying? So we bought an old chicken farm. It's okay. a, it's, it was bought, it was, it was built by family out of California, um, close to, I, I want to say 750,000 birds. It was a large farm. Um, Land of Lakes bought it and said, absolutely not. This is a battery style. You know, this is not, we're not going to be a part of this thing. Um, contaminated groundwater, yada, yada, the whole list of horrors that you don't want in a farm. And nobody, nobody did anything with it for 10 years. And so we walked into it and said, okay, we can, we can clean the groundwater by using drip irrigation. We can use cover crops and yada, all the good stories. And uh, so we bought it, we bought it fairly decent. This came on your radar through a bank? Through, no, this came on our radar through a friend of my father's that's a real estate agent. Okay. So the total acquisition was what? 220-some-odd acres plus, uh, I, I want to say it's close to 900,000 square feet of cement. Okay. So that's a lot of cement. It's a ton of cement. And you bought it with your your old man, you, and a couple other business partners. A Canadian and, and uh, a local real estate. And you said, we're going to do what here? What are you going to do with all that cement? Let's turn it into some greenhouses. Ah. Um, this is when hemp is starting to get discussed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we looked at kind of, I didn't know anything about greenhouses. Right. I still don't know anything about greenhouses. Right. Um, so, you know, being a millennial, I've got to put everything on social media. It doesn't count. Right. And uh, so I put a, a post up of, hey, we've got all of these these chicken houses. I, I think it would be really cool. I got a buddy that's a gigantic pothead. And uh, he came and rode around on the farm with me. And he's like, he's like, bro, like these things look like greenhouses, man. And he's like, we could grow so much bud in these greenhouses. But they're not really greenhouses. They're not. They they're have metal they're chicken houses. They yeah, got so metal roofs. They got, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, there's nothing to it. And so I put on Facebook, I'm like, I wonder if these things could ever be greenhouses. And I get a message from a guy in Las Cruces that ran the largest greenhouse company in New Mexico that says, hey, I've recently retired. Um, I'm bored. I want to come down and see what you're doing. And enters Jose Luis Cardona, our general manager of Wholesome Valley Farms now, that says, yeah, you want to turn these into a greenhouse? I can do it. Um, and so we take, the four of us take this farm, and we expand it into uh, Texas, into the northern part of uh, Hudspeth County, Texas. Um, and so Wholesome now encompasses close to 3,000 acres uh, with some greenhouses. It's growing hemp, and they're looking at doing some medical marijuana. Are you the, are you the hemp producer, or you just no. farm that out? Con- contracted. So you let someone else do the production? Absolutely. You're just, you are renting land for doing what you know how to do, and then you're renting your own land out to somebody else. Is that the deal? That's exactly right. So you are a cash renter and a landlord to other cash renters as well. Exactly. Because you say, I don't know how to grow hemp. Yeah, and and I mean, I don't know if you've talked to anybody in the hemp world lately, but uh, there's been a mass entry and then a mass exodus into this market. Yeah, the market's still really sloppy. It's it's that old issue of a nascent market. Okay, so um, 
that's what Wholesome Valley Farms is. Hill Farms is just meaning stuff that you still control on your own. Yep. And what is grown on those acres? Oh, we grow some lettuce and some cabbage. We'll grow, we still have our pecans, uh, alfalfa, corn, some cows. Pecan groves? Yep. Cows? Yep. Who takes care of that? Uh, half my dad, half me, which I don't even know how I got the cows back in my possession. I was hoping I'd stay over at his place, but now they're back at mine. Does it amount to anything? Uh, 72 head. I mean, we're flattening the beef market. Okay. Cow calf. Cow calf. All right. Out on, uh, out on some of your various ground and mm-hmm. then you just take the calves and what do you Sell do the calves them? off and yeah. All right. And then, uh, the big thing that I, the reason you and I probably met, I mean, I think we've crossed paths, but I know for a fact that, uh, last year Chaffee came on my radar and I was fascinated by it because it's a value added alfalfa type of a product. And me being a dairy farm kid, we used to have a hundred, 200 acres of alfalfa, depending on the year and what the situation was. Uh, so I know about making hay, but I don't know about making hay the way you do. Tell me about Chaffee. Yeah, so so if you fast forward from all of the ups and downs through through the ag ag life that I've had so far, uh, fast forward to a couple years ago when I meet Danny Haderia, and Danny is um, he's a businessman out of El Paso. Um, he's been tasked with a product uh, project to um, help manage a couple of different properties, and uh, we get introduced. Long story short, the two of us become business partners. And as we become business partners, we start to take on some pretty large farms. Um, we decided that, you know, we want to... What was the... What, how did this whole thing start? I mean, why did it start? So the city... You're doing fine with your other stuff. Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing good. But, I mean, it's I'm one of those kind of people that you kind of get restless pretty quick. And so and so we, we wanted to see what we could do. So Wholesome Valley had uh, taken over a farm in, in Otero County, New Mexico. And just below it was another 9,000 acres. Uh, the same company owned both, but nobody was really looking at that. And Danny happened to pick that farm up. Um, Danny was then looking for a general manager for his farm. He I, bought it. Yeah, uh, no, he's leasing it. He's just leasing yeah. these pro- these acres. And, and so he's he's looking for a, for a GM at the time, and uh, and so I sit there and have a good conversation with Danny, and and the availability of some more ground uh, comes up, and he says, you know, I'm looking for a general manager. What do you think about managing this for me? And um, and then I said, well, I'm not really looking to, to go somewhere and, and manage a farm of that scale. I'm pretty happy where I'm at. And uh, and then we start talking some more, and turns out let's just become business partners, and we don't even know each other. <laughs> and uh, and we did it. So we decided to uh, kind of join forces and add our acres together on this project in Dell City. And the next thing you know, we're uh, we're taking over Chaffee and bought Chaffee. So Chaffee was an existing company that does what? So Chaffee is, it was actually founded in New Zealand. They're taking alfalfa hay, they're chopping it. Uh, they're running it through a blender where they're, or a mixer where they're actually adding some molasses uh, probiotic, and then they're packing it into a bag where it silages. All right, so it's chopped at a certain amount of moisture. So the guy that chops silage on my property for his dairy operation, I'm thinking he goes 50% moisture. Is that right? Yeah. So roughly 50% moisture. So that's how this product is harvested? It's harvested around 50% moisture? No. So we we actually zone in between 52 and and 55. Okay. 52 to 55% moisture is where you want this product to be chopped 
harvested. Right. So it's an alfalfa plant that's been cut, windrowed, whatever, and then you chop it. And chopping it means it's kind of like I always tell people that don't know how silage works. Imagine like uh, the way lawnmower clippings come out. So it's it's chopped into a, about what one to four inch pieces. Chop right? length, yep. Chop length is important too. It's all part of the part of the package and the show the tail and then how it's digested. All right. So then what happens? So then we go from there. We go into a, a, a mixer, and where it's mixed it with mixed with its molasses and then it's probiotic package, and then we actually shove that into a plastic bag, which is one of the things that, that we pride ourselves in is the way that we package it. Uh, there's there's a lot of people on the market now, and it's one of those things where people are thinking, well, you're just selling water because it's silage, um, but there's a lot to making sure that you're putting something in a bag that's going to be reputable, and that was something that, that happened to come from New Zealand that we learned the process um, as far as making sure that the fermentation happens evenly throughout the bag. So it ferments in the bag, and that way it seals, and then it's good for you. So when this thing happens, uh, you're you're growing it on your own acres, and you're processing it yourself. Correct. All right. Then what happens? Did you have customers? Did you have retail? Did you have distribution? We've got uh, 600, I think the last time I looked was around 620 dealerships or feed stores around the country that are handling chaffee. Uh, we walked into it somewhere around 500. We've so been you there. already had a distribution, and it was already being sold. The product was already being sold. So yep. you bought something that was certainly not uh, as established as a Kent Feeds or Mormons or any of these old feed companies, but you certainly did have a, a product that was already recognized. Yes, absolutely. All right. And then the first thing you do, so you've got you got a product that's already nationally recognized. What are you going to do? We went and changed the label mm-hmm. right off the bat. Yeah, of course. Uh, (laughs) It makes perfect business sense. You took something that was already recognized and already being sold, and then you screwed it up. Exactly. Then what? Uh, So what we've we've decided is that, you know, strength are in numbers, and what we're able to to move um, is based on what we can grow. And so why why are we just selling chaffee? Why are we just selling silaged alfalfa? Uh, It's well beyond the fact that we can grow hay that doesn't have blister beetles and and do all of these these different things the the big thing that we've understood is we grow a lot of alfalfa we grow 10,000 acres of alfalfa so why can't i package small bales of alfalfa with chaffe mixed with deer corn and cotton seed i mean you know so what we've started to do is actually come up with a whole line of feed that we can send around the country. And that line of feed might be for me to go out and feed deer in my wildlife plot, or it might be for me to give it to my horses, or it might be for me to give it to my show steers. The idea is you want to capture more market. Absolutely. The, the, the biggest thing is not just market capture too, but we're actually having to do an educational process about feeding a wet feed. Uh, there's so many people that don't understand, okay, so I'm going to buy chaffe, but it's been and it's in silage form. So is this actually good? What about botulism for my horse? I mean, is this going to actually bring up some implications mm-hmm. to feeding it to my animals? And, and in all reality, what you're looking at is a protein that has been uh, pre-digested that that animal is able to pick up easier. Yep. So we're just sitting here trying to do our marketing steps now to actually show people, hey, this is actually a superior product than just eating you regular You your second alpha. year. You're starting your third, third year. year. You're starting your third year. You've completed two years. Yes. You excited about Chaffee? I am. It's a challenge. Which one excites you more? Dell Valley, Hill Farms, uh, Wholesome Valley Farms, or uh, Chaffee? Chaffee's got my attention. Okay. And uh, it's growing. Dell Valley, it is growing. Um, Chaffee is going to be a Can struggle. Can I ask, profitable yet? It is. We cash flowed this year. Good um, for you. Which, yeah. 
That was a. <laughs> that was a, when we looked at the end of the end of year numbers, and we we saw that we actually did turn a little. I mean, and when I say a little bit of profit, I mean let's go to Sonic and get a hot dog. Sure. Um, but at the same time, it was it was nice to see that we're there. So what do you do when you see that you're halfway profitable? Actually, when you are profitable, you go spend two and a half million dollars on new equipment to make sure that you're going to be able to double down on that. Um, which I'll. You know, I'll sit here to the end of the day and say that we've got to make sure that our efficiencies are in place. But the biggest thing is I want to make sure that we have things in line to bring new products on. And so uh, growth is always hard and scary, but at the same time, I think growth is what drives me. Speaking of growth, closing thoughts here on the Business of Agriculture podcast. In case you forgot who you're listening to, I'm Damian Mason. His name is Jay Hill. He's an agricultural entrepreneur, and I thought it would be a fun time for us to talk a little bit uh, differently than we do sometimes. You and I both... Uh, get a little bit perturbed about the way agriculture sometimes views itself as all shucks we're just out here growing crops don't care about making money and i said no this is a business which is why i called this podcast the business of agriculture because it is a business i couldn't stand it when i was a kid i'd go to these meetings i've heard this crap my whole entire life you hear the best way to make a million dollars in farming start with two million Mm -hmm. i've heard that shit my entire growing up i can't stand it you are like me and that you say this is a business let's get over this whole nonsense and like start treating it like the business that it is absolutely i like that about you i think one of the biggest things that we see too in agriculture is there's a victim mentality the the fact that you know i yeah i went through some tough times i mean literally to the point where i thought okay i'm out of agriculture i've got to figure out something else to you do you heard my story I've yeah, been actually, tough times same, also. exactly and now, so it didn't happen to be necessarily from an ag standpoint it was from an entrepreneurial standpoint and and it's one of those things when you when you start to understand what makes you tick and who you are um, it's the people, like you said today, it's the people that kind of make you pull your head out of your ass and say, okay, we've got a, what are you good at? And what are you passionate about? Let's see if there's something there that actually makes money. Mm-hmm. And then two, you know, we talked about passion and how people say they're passionate about things. And, and, and when you said that it drives you crazy, I, I'm sitting there saying, okay, we're, we're, we're cut from the same cloth. Well, it's one thing to say you enjoy something and you want to do good at something, but this idea that that should circumcede fundamentals. Right. I mean, and and the same thing with Chaffee. I mean, I sit here and look about it. Chaffee is a challenge. It's a challenge. I believe in it. I know that the product is superior to any of our competition. I know that the, the product that we actually put on the market is something that these guys and girls that work with me do an unbelievable job with. But at the same time, what is my passion? My passion is to grow, is to grow a company based off of morals, ethics, core focus, you know, things that are going to make not only myself and my family succeed in life, but everybody that doesn't matter if it's Hill Farms, Wholesome Valley Farms, Dell Valley Ranch Management, and Chaffee, that by the time that we walk out of this thing and the saloon doors swing shut, that we turn around and go, damn, we made a good run at this. And this was amazing. We built something. I like the building thing. You know, I, I, I always, my wife always said that that's something that you're very fortunate, Damien, that you actually get to see something come to fruition. It's just millions of people work in corporate situations or government situations where they just show up and not, it, it, it wouldn't matter whether they're there or not. And I'm like, well, that's not be mean, Lori. But, you know, she said, you actually see the fruits of your labor, actually something, sometimes it's always, always positive, but you actually see what happens. Closing thought here, Jay. Uh, last thought, idea, business of agriculture, anybody can learn from your experience, uh, observation you've had, wisdom, knowledge, whatever, commentary. 
the the biggest thing is you have to understand how to structure yourself. We're all we all have limits, and uh, and the amount that we're able to do in a day is based on the amount that we're able to uh, take in. And so for me, I know where my limit is. I can manage six people a day, and um, if I try to manage seven people a day, I will fail every one of those seven people. Good lessons. His name is Jay Hill. My name is Damian Mason. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I'm sure you have, and I hope you got a couple of lessons you can take home and apply to your operation. Until next time, it's the business of agriculture.